come before you right now thanking you for allowing us to have this moment. What an incredible set of lyrics you have given us. Come church, arise. The time is now. But they will only recognize us by our love. Not by the size of our buildings, but only by our love. So Father, bless us with insight and wisdom. And let your dear sweet Holy Spirit use my mind to think in and my mouth to speak from. Let same Holy Spirit work in all of those who are under the sound of my voice today. Father, bless us right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Now move me out of the way that your perfect message can now go forward. And all those who heard this prayer said, Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, again, we're about to embark upon uh, this sermon series that we're on entitled For Such a Time as This. For Such a Time as This. I pray, God, that you have been following along with us as we've been going through this. Again, this is a very mighty, powerful time for us in this country or even in the world because this is not just a United States thing. This is a worldwide, as they would call it, pandemic, but also at the same time, worldwide reoccurrence or growth in the mindsets and hearts of many people. So as all of this is taking place, I think it's important for us to maintain or figure out exactly what is the church's place in this? What part does the church play in this transformation? Now, for me, I can always tell you that this is how God speaks to the world through his body. You have a body. Your brain tells your body what to do. Jesus is the head of the body. Now, if your body started doing stuff without the guidance of your brain, you would dial 911 because you know something was drastically wrong. Well, we need to just double check with ourselves to make sure that if we call ourselves the body of Christ, that he is actually the one leading us and we're seeing the world through his eyes. We're dealing, showing our love to the world through his hands. That means he's inside of us and he wants to live through us. So, again, it's important that the church comes to this realization right here, right now, because we're the only entity that God uses to speak to the world. I have a little statement here as we start this particular sermon today. It's entitled, I mean, it says, personal transformation creates fellowship transformation. I want to say that one more time. Personal transformation creates fellowship transformation. Meaning that if you change and you are part of the fellowship, then the fellowship begins to change. It it can only happen one person at a time. You cannot expect to see 10,000 people in an arena and they all change at the same time. It's one person at a time. So again, this intimate, organic relationship with Jesus is what's important. But it's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that it's our personal Relationship that we have that personal transformation. You know, when we accept Christ, you know, we're supposed to change, right? (laughs) The word of God says that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are supposed to change. You're not supposed to be the same person that you were before you accepted Christ. Why? Because you die. Now I'll say that one more time. You die. 
not literally, but spiritually, morally, ethically, you die to the old morals that you had, the old ethics that you had, and the old spiritual life that you had. You die to that, and you're resurrected a brand new person. Now what happens? Jesus through the Holy Spirit is in you and now begins to live through you. As it says in a a chapter we'll talk about later, that we should be led by the Holy Spirit, led by the spirit that lives in us. That means we're no longer the leader. We are the follower after our head, who is Jesus guiding our footsteps. Does that make sense to you today? Well, let's talk about how we can accomplish this, especially as the church, because my heart is about the church. That's where my heart is. And, and it's important that we really get the message that we need to hear today. So let's go to Galatians chapter five and we'll go on a little bit of a journey. Are you ready? I pray God that you are. We're going to have some fun today. So Galatians chapter five, we're going to begin to read at verse number 22 and I'll be reading from the new living translation again, Galatians chapter five, verse 22. It says, but the Holy spirit produces this kind of fruit. I want you to make sure we catch these words. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Who does the producing? The Holy Spirit does. So one more time. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, that's the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In us. So it would produce that fruit through us. Well, let's keep reading. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So that's our transitional period. We take our old sinful led life and we nail it to the cross just like Christ was nailed to the cross and we leave it there. It dies there. And on that cross, then we also die in that sense and we are resurrected a brand new person. Y'all still following me? It says, since we are living by the spirit, uh oh, since we are living by the spirit. So why else would the Holy Spirit be placed in us other than to guide us? Now, listen, he's not placed there only to slay you in the spirit or just to make you speak in tongues in the spirit. Those are part of the complexity of what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to guide your life. Meaning that he'll help you transition from fear to faith. He'll help you transition from hate to love. He'll help you make these transitions because as you follow his lead, the only fruit that he produces is love and kindness and self-control. Are y'all still with me today? It says, since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Every part leaves no other part untouched. So God wants your living room. Your kitchen, your bedroom, your basement, 
(laughs) He wants the whole house. He wants you, his house. He wants all of you. So how does that work, Pastor Ben? Just as progressively, progressively, we just give more ground to Christ. We just give more ground to him. We just say, you know what, Lord, guide me in this because I really don't know what to do. I was raised to look at this situation this way. I was raised to look at the situation this way. So I'm coming to you, Lord, because I don't know how to make this transition. So the Holy Spirit says that I need you to love these people with Christ's heart. I need you to love you with Christ's heart. I need you to relieve yourself of guilt, of condemnation, of anger. I need you to do that for you being led by the spirit. I pray God this is making sense. It says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another. You know, the word conceited always kind of throws me (laughs) because it actually has to deal with being prideful. You know, when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought, we become conceited. We become like my way of thinking is the only way. That's why Jesus instructed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because once you decide what good is and what evil is, you're not capable of carrying that weight accurately. You'll pick good as long as it's comfortable to you. And you'll pick bad as long as it's uncomfortable to you. But God says he wants to discipline you. I don't think that's a fun thing. (laughs) I don't think that's a comfortable thing. But he wants to discipline you so he can change you, so he can grow you. So we don't have the capacity to deal with balancing out the good and the evil. But But the Holy Spirit can because we believe in a triune God. That's the God in us and he would guide us. So being conceited is somewhat prideful. My way or the highway. You know, I, I, I know what's best for you. Now, God knows what's best for me. Does that make sense? So, can you go back to that verse just one more time? Just, Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Again, jealousy is such a weird little term or a weird emotion because you keep believing that somebody has something that you do not have. The word of God tells us in first Peter that God gave us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. So how about if I told you, you already have everything you need and the thing that you're jealous about has absolutely nothing to do with your godly life. It has a whole bunch to do with your sinful nature of wanting something you don't have. So let it go. There's no reason to be jealous. God loves you. Does that make sense today? Does that verse help you? Okay, this next one is going to help us out a heck of a lot. It's going to be a little long in the tooth, but you just go along with me and I think we'll have some fun. We're going to go to John chapter 15. And uh, we're going to do verses 1 through 17. Oh, don't let that scare you. It won't take that long. It's a real blessing, though. And we're going to be doing it in the NIV, which is the New International Version of the Bible. And I wanted it this way because I wanted to go back to the reason we dealt with fruit and who produces it leads us into this particular chapter that we're going to read, but also lead us into a particular understanding. If we are the children of God, then we should look like our father. 
if we are his children, there should be a resemblance of him in us. I was, uh, my son, who's down in Brazil now, he and I were, he was here and we were going shopping and we got out of the car to walk towards the supermarket. And as we got out of the car, a lady was coming out, pushing her cart, headed to her uh, car. And she looked at us and she said, sir, you could never deny him. That boy looked just like you. Well, again, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, but, <laughs> but I already knew. But the idea is in our actions, in our everyday actions with other people, they should be able to know that there's something different about you. That we're actually loving them with God's hands. We're seeing them through God's eyes. And they'll be able to receive that. But that means there has to be a personal transformation for us. Let's read John. Ready? He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. So I'm going to just have you, in, in, in this case of understanding, change the word vine to tree. I'm going to keep reading what the scripture says, but I need you to envision this tree, okay? With God as the gardener or the one who takes care of this tree. It says he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit. The branch bears the fruit. I need you to know something today. You cannot produce love and kindness and generosity and all of those kinds of fruits. They have to be produced by the Holy Spirit. And then as the branch connected to the tree, you bear that fruit. How do you know a tree, an apple tree is an apple tree? Because it has apples on it. But that's the branch. The branch does not produce that fruit. It bears that fruit. I sure hope you're hearing me today. Whatever tree... You are connected to, we will know it by your fruit. I'll say it one more time. Whatever tree you are actually connected to, we will know it by your fruit. Let me read on. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So if the branch is Christ, if it's not bearing the fruit that he needs for it to bear, there is no purpose for it. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So again, here's God disciplining us, growing us, developing us, telling us, listen, hey, you're cool, but you know this is progressive, right? And we go, yes, daddy. He said, well, listen, let me show you this about you. (laughs) And we go, oh God, I didn't didn't know that was in me. (laughs) And he says, well, I'm not telling you this or showing you this for condemnation. I'm showing you this for revelation so you can be pruned so we could cut away what is unnecessary, cut away what is unwanted so we can be more fruitful. Again, the fruit is love and kindness and those kinds of things. We want more of that. So let's keep reading. It says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. So I always thought that was a strange term, especially when you're talking about a tree and its branches. Have you ever seen a branch break itself off from a tree? It doesn't happen. 
So what God is saying, he's using the tree as an analogy for us to be connected to him. We have a choice of either being a branch off of him, the tree or not. But he gives us the instruction here of remain in me, meaning to be remain connected to him so that the fruit that he produces will be bared or manifested through us as the branch. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Wow. It must remain in the vine or the tree. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. As we read this today, I need us to know as a personal transformation. When you try to do this yourself. You become like Jesus said, we become this shiny polished sepulcher with dead man's bones on the inside. You cannot produce this. You cannot fake this. You know, if you want an apple, you go find an apple tree. You don't go to a grapefruit tree looking for apples because you know they don't grow there. I need you to know today, if you want this to be manifested through you, you're going to have to stay connected to Jesus and you're going to let him have your life. And when you do, he will bear his fruit. He will produce it through you and you will bear his fruit. So when people come to you, they'll be able to have some fresh fruit. Let's read. I am the vine. You are the branches. Say that with me. I am the vine. You are the branches. That's Jesus speaking to us. He's the vine. He's the tree. We are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear what? Much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Today is the day I want you not to try to, as the kids used to say, fake the funk. I don't want you to try to fake this because it's not going to work. It's not going to work. See, your transformation is going to have to be true because if not, the pressures of life, the pressures of circumstances will bend down on you and press down on you. And what's really in you will come out. I need you today. Die to you. Nail your sinful passions to the cross with Christ. And say to him, you know what? I want to be a branch. I want to bear your fruit, Lord. So help me to do this. I give you all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my strength. Now, what you did then do is relinquish control. You know, it's not Jesus is my co-pilot. No, (laughs) you relinquish control and God takes you somewhere you've never been before. But you can trust the fact that where he takes you will be safe because he said he will prune you, but he will make you more fruitful. I don't know about you. What an incredible offer to us today, because when we try to do this on our own. It does not work. Let's keep reading. Whew, I'm having fun already. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
brothers and sisters, we don't want any withering going on. But when, uh, when it doesn't produce the right fruit, what purpose does it have? What good is it? Especially when this is Christ's body. And this is important for us to get today because Christ is the tree and we are the branches. And he's still alive today, just like he was then. So he's wanting us to be identified by the fruit. He wants us to be identified by the world, by the fruit, just like the song says. Then they will know us by our love. They will not be able to recognize us by hate. <laughs> they won't. We can't say that I'm connected to the tree, which is Christ. And I hate people and I disrespect people and I slander people and I talk about people. Those are not the attributes that are connected to the tree. And we need to get that because it's important in this day and time. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. I love this part because a lot of people have misused this because it's not this make it, take it or claim it and name it and all that kind of stuff. He's saying as long as you are a branch and you're producing the fruit that I need you to produce, I mean the bear, then you can ask me whatever you want because you are part of my army. You are part of my movement. You are part of me trans changing the world. I'll give you whatever you need to complete that task. I'll open doors for you that would have never been opened before. I'll give you opportunities that were never provided for you before. Not just so you can name it and claim it and keep it personal. This is so you can be a better branch that produces, excuse me, that bears fruit. Do you understand this today? So whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Why are we bearing fruit? For the Father's glory. Not so you look important, but for the Father's glory. Showing yourselves, I love this, to be my disciples. Now listen to me. I don't know about you. When I accepted Christ, I said things like, Lord, if you need somebody to go, send me. <laughs> Lord, I'm here to give you my life. Now, as either we said it and meant it, or we said it and we didn't mean it, which means that somewhere along the road, if we didn't mean it, we're not going to be able to bear fruit. Then we'll become the branch that gets withered. You can't do this on your own. Jesus has to live through you. So you have to give him the space in your life that he takes over. As the father has loved me, so have I love you. Now remain in my love. I can't think of a safer place to be. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I don't know about you. Think about this. The joy of Jesus, who just defeated the devil, who broke the back of death, who resurrected brand new, who ascended into heaven. That joy, that overcoming joy is what he says, I want to give to you. Like the tree and the branch, that overcoming joy now gets into the branch and you begin to bear that joy in your life. Which means when the circumstances of life come, 
You begin to live above those circumstances. We all don't do it perfectly and we all don't do it all the time. But you begin to live above the circumstances. Why? Because of his joy living in you. How does an oppressed person raise their head every day and see oppression all around them and still be able to find joy because they know what tree they are connected to and they know that everybody in the world tried to take it away from Jesus and they weren't able to. So they know if they stay connected to him, that same joy will begin to run through their bodies and people will wonder how, how can you, how can you face another day? Joy. The joy that Jesus had, he has given to me. Everything they planned to do to destroy him didn't work. So he wants me to have that joy. How do I have it? I stay connected to him. My command is this. Hmm. I, ooh, Jesus. Love each other as I have loved you. Beautiful sentence. But if you don't know how he has loved you, it will be hard for you to translate that for someone else. He left heaven. He didn't consider being God important enough for him to maintain that status. He became a man for you and I. Knowing that he was going to face a rugged cross and be crucified on our behalf. People who didn't deserve that. That's love. So what is he asking you to do? He's asking you to look around your life and watch where your allegiances are and pull back your allegiance to things that don't look like him, that would not manifest his fruit. Because that's what he wants you to do with your life. Let me finish. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life. For one's friends. Man, I've seen people change this verse in all so many different kinds of ways. Well, who's really my friend? You don't get a chance to choose that because you don't choose who picks the fruit off your branch. You don't get to choose who comes to your branch looking for fruit. You must be prepared to let that person pick the fruit from your branch. That's your friend. Whoever that is, because God loves everybody. And because of that, you have no control over who can come and pick fruit from your branch. If you think you do, then you will deny people something. And if you deny them, then you've already separated yourself from the tree. Therefore, there's some withering in your future. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go. And bear fruit, fruit that will last 
And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So, brothers and sisters, we find ourselves at this spot of personal transformation. We find ourselves at this position that what am I going to do? Am I going to be a branch or am I going to try to independently live my life based on my fears? My independence in this matter causes me to be a branch that no longer remains in the tree. Did I say this was easy? No, because it isn't easy. But God will progressively change you. He will show you his love for you. He will show you that this is a path worth walking. He will open up doors to incredible friendships and incredible places and incredible love. You know, yesterday was my wife's birthday. And I just posted a little thing on Facebook. And before the night was over, she had 176 comments. That's pretty massive. That people from all over the country who we had interacted with at one time or another wanted to thank her, wanted to tell her how much they blessed, how much she blessed them and helped them. I need you to understand something. When you give your life away, God gives you more life. He said he will prune you so you could be more fruitful. But you got to give it away. Well, I don't like that. And I don't like this. Now, man, there's so much stuff I could get a notebook that thick and put down the I don't likes. But God is greater than all of that. He didn't call me. He didn't send me. He didn't prepare me to do what I didn't like or do like. He prepared me to do what he has done to go show his love. So that personal transformation is important. I'm going to do this quickly because I'm kind of running out of time. We're going to go to Luke chapter six. And this is important. A part of the personal transformation that actually leads into fellowship transformation. Luke chapter six. Starting at verse 39, this is the message translation. He quoted a proverb. Can a blind man guide a blind man? Wouldn't they both end up in the ditch? An apprentice doesn't lecture the master. Are we supposed to tell God what to do? Are we supposed to tell him who he's supposed to love and who he isn't? I've heard sermons about that God don't love this. God, don't. God is big enough to know what he loves and what he doesn't. My job is not to determine that. My job is to go do what he asks me to do. Well, pastor, are you telling us to accept, you know, like homosexuality? I said, no, I'm telling you to accept that person, but not that act. But I'm not choosing. That's already been laid out. What we have to stop doing. Oh, he, we don't accept people speaking tongues. We don't accept people who baptize just in the name of Jesus. We don't accept. We have done all of this stuff and it's gotten us nowhere. Why don't we let God be God? Because he knows exactly who it is he's dealing with. Listen closely. It says the point is to be careful who you follow as your teacher. I can't think of a more powerful statement for us right now. Who's your teacher? Who are you following? Jesus has laid out some definite footprints 
in the sand, they used to say. (laughs) He has laid out some definite footprints for us to follow. He has given us definite commands for us to follow. He has given us definite information for us to accept to change our lives. So who is it that we are following? Is it Jesus? Because if it is, then we're back to the tree. We're back to being a branch and we're back to bearing his fruit. If it isn't him, then we're going to bear the fruit of someone else. And that's going to be a mistake. He quoted a proverb, can a blind man guide up, excuse me, verse 41, it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly snare on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? If It's this I know better than you mentality again, playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe that ugly snare off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree, (laughs) nor good apples Off a disease tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. If you're eating at a tree that is causing fear, hate, discord, discrimination, injustice to rise up in your life, you're eating from the wrong tree. I said, you're eating from the wrong tree. This is just not Pastor Ben making some political statement. I'm telling you what scripture says. It says what the fruit is and what's supposed to be manifested in our lives. I need us to get this today because what has happened is we've got discombobulated. The church has gotten kind of crossed up and we are letting other things that are not eternal guide our eternity. So we need to stop. We need to take a step back. How does this happen? One person at a time. You have got to do a personal self-evaluation of exactly who you are in Christ. Listen to me. I love you. And I know some of this stuff has been hard to hear. Some of this stuff has been hard to take in. And some of you have a big time pushback. I get that. Sounds to me like pruning. I can't imagine pruning being a pretty comfortable thing. I just don't imagine that. But if you want to be more fruitful, then take the pruning and do a self-evaluation about who you are. Because we need you for such a time as this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus for everything that you are and everything that you do. Bless us, O Lord, to have an understanding of what it is that you want us to continue to do. We believe you have laid it out very clearly and unmistakably. We are to bear your fruit. We are to bear your fruit. And when we don't, you will cut us off. We will be branches set aside 
for the fire to be withered. But when we are fruitful, you will prune us that we will be more fruitful. So, Father, right now, those who are listening to me, those who have heard this message today, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Christ. Open up your mouth right now and confess that he is Lord. And believe it in your heart that you can trust him with all of your life, with all of your fears, and he will take care of you. Father, we thank you for those who shared that prayer. We thank you for those who have stepped into the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, if you did that prayer, please give us a call here at Tomoka Christian Church. 386-677-6455. We'll be glad to help you down that road of growth and development. We love you, brothers and sisters. God bless you. Have a great day.